I would recommend doing the same thing, except with maple syrup and penis butter. Uh, peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> All of the above. Mix, mix, mix random butters with random syrups. Mm. Mix them together. Mm. Eat them, preferably with bread. <laughs> just, just go uh, do it. Mix almond butter with syrup of Ipecac. Yes, it's probably going to kill you, but, you know, it's oh, all about fun the fact. journey. Fun fact, uh, almond butter has the same reaction in your body as syrup of Ipecac. See, syrup <laughs> of Ipecac uh, is known for making you throw up because it has a, a, a reaction in your body that makes you throw up. Uh, almond butter makes you throw up because it tastes like a butthole. Greetings, listening persons. Multiple I, listening persons, hopefully. Hopefully several and several. In fact, hopefully at least 5,000 so we can finally get some ads. Oh, look at that. That'd be that'd be alright. Uh, and by we, I of course mean the Super Whiskey Bros, comprised of myself, Sean, and the ugly brother, Tyler. Ah, yes, that is me. I can't really say anything to disprove that because we're technically only being heard, and now I'm sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's it. Fair. I'm ugly. It's now canon. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been it's been canon for you know over thirty years. <laughs> technically over thirty years, but continue. Yes. Now, <clears throat> uh, speaking of ugly, uh, what are you drinking? <laughs> speaking of ugly. Too much of this, I wouldn't be ugly at all. Um, I actually am having a excuse me, the single barrel straight bourbon from Gnawbone. Uh, uh, so it's a cast mm. strength bourbon. It is 125 mm. proof, which is why I'm having very little of it. Mm. Uh, but it's utterly fantastic. Mm. <clears throat> I'm so uh, happy to hear you say cask strength um uh i can't tell you how many hundreds of times i've heard you say casket strength casket and i just have figured I really? it was yeah i just i just figured you saying it's so strong it'll kill you yeah yes technically speaking if i had a couple of these bottles i would probably die <laughs> i am drinking your favorite scotch oh you're saying that, saying that sarcastically, aren't you? I am. Ugh. Everyone, Sean's having Glenfiddich. Glenfiddich. Glenfiddich 12. Ugh. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. <clears throat> I'm glad you have things you like, but that's just... I always have mm -hmm. a bad time whenever... At least, I, 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 <coughs> it, it genuinely makes me do look like a third of a wretch. A third of a wretch. A third of a wretch. I don't actually wretch. I just mm. get a third of the way there. Mm. There's another joke that I won't make there, but you all can imply it. Uh, I, 
who's implying it and who's inferring it? Because you didn't uh, imply it. Are they are they supposed to have inferred it without your implication? It's exactly what I mean. Hmm. I technically haven't implied it. Say, I merely stated that. That's what girls do. They make an inferral when there was no implication. <clears throat> that was a very chewy joke you just made. <laughs> I have to actually. I I said I was what I was drinking, but I haven't actually started drinking it yet. I'm going to make it a really obnoxious drinking sound. You ready? My deepest oh. hope is that sounded like a oh. fart. Oh. Oh. I hope. Uh, I hope that com- what I heard is the sound that the recording picks up on. Because what <laughs> I heard was, what I heard was this. <sighs> I really like this bourbon. <laughs> I was, I was, I it was <clears throat> taking such a small amount that I couldn't make a slurp sound, so I was making that sort of aerating noise. And my, I should say, that was me aerating the whiskey. I was not aerating. Mm-hmm. Which is when you drop bombs on a small area. But that's ah, beside yes. the point. Mm-hmm. If you have enough planes, it can be a large area. It's true, but generally speaking, it's very concentrated. Mm-hmm. Enough of that witty banter. <clears throat> ah, yes. <clears throat> um, uh, speaking of wit... Ah, um, uh, well done. <laughs> well uh, it's done. a bad joke, though. It's a bad joke, though, because wit doesn't appear in Act 1. This is true, but it was still well done. <clears throat> I got it. <laughs> Heck of a segue. <clears throat> yeah. uh, we today are going to be... Doing something that we haven't done before, and we're going to do again. (laughs) I said we haven't done before. (laughs) Oh, there you go. No, um, uh, we are going to be talking about a book, book club style. And when the book is like a grand and a half, uh, we can't talk about the whole book in one week. No. Uh, the book is divided up, though, into into acts or parts. I can't remember if it's called parts or acts. I believe it's actually parts. The book They're is parts. divided up into parts, and we are going to be talking about them one part at a time. And actually, uh, this episode could be broken up over two weeks even, depending on how long it takes us to talk about the first part. Right. But the book in question in this case is The Way of Kings from Brandon Sanderson's The mm-hmm. Stormlight Archive. <clears throat> Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and I should clarify for everyone here, oh, excuse me, right off the bat, I um, am much, much newer to this <clears throat> author, and therefore, obviously, this book, than you are. You pretty much um, told us, told me, told us, told me that you wanted to do, we, we decided we were start doing, um, expanding a little bit in the way that we create content, and Sean suggested mm-hmm. we do book clubbing, which by the way, if you don't know, book clubbing is like fight clubbing, but with books, so we're basically just going to beat mm-hmm. each other with books. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, but I, unlike fight club, we're allowed to talk about it. 
Uh, we are currently talking about, as it turns out. <clears throat> and I had never, I think I might have heard of Brandon Sanderson. Um, mm-hmm. But I I definitely hadn't read this book, excuse me. <coughs> and Sean introduced me to the author and the book both. And then I spent, I don't know, two weeks, two and a half weeks um, trying to finish it. Um, and it is possibly the greatest book I've read in a decade. I'd say it's the greatest uh, book I've read freshly uh, in a decade, pro- quite possibly. Oh no, no, that's that's. Um, I guess uh, that's what I meant. Yeah, um, uh, the reason why I say freshly is because I have read the Lord of the Rings in the past decade. <clears throat> I, we Sean and I used to adhere to the uh, Christopher Lee tradition of of reading through the Lord of the Rings every year, as Christopher Lee did. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I haven't done that in probably four years because I used to still do it every year. Um, but yeah, I, I will rephrase the, the, the best book I've read new that I've read new. You said fresh. I'm mm-hmm. saying new. You're grammatically correct. I'm trash. Yeah. Well, see reading it new, I think is okay to say. Uh, but what I almost said by accident was, the 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 best new book and that was a little bit incorrect because the book itself was not new this is true also i should have said reading it anew no that mm-hmm. wouldn't be right either yeah if you were reading it anew you'd write it before yeah exactly hmm. mm-hmm. i'm bad at words anyways the mm-hmm. book if you were reading it anew you'd write it before if you were reading a new book then <clears throat> It'd be a new book. Technically speaking. Oh yeah, fun fact. Mm-hmm. I accidentally, when Sean told me about this book, listened to approximately a uh, hundred pages worth of The Way of Kings Prime, which is completely mm-hmm. different. It's like the original version that is <clears throat> definitely inferior uh, to what he ended up actually publishing back in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go to get this book or to do audio, uh, do an audio book and listen to it like I did, Make sure you get The Way of Kings and not The Way of Kings Prime. Feel free to read The Way of Kings Prime, but do it after you've read The Way of Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The Way of Kings Prime is very similar to The to the Way of Kings, except voiced by the guy who did the voice of Eeyore for some reason. Which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. But it's worth mentioning that you can tell right off the bat, The Way of Kings Prime tried to jump into the book much quicker. And uh, mm-hmm. very much was relied on tropes a little more aggressively. You could see that Sanderson was a little more unrefined as an author when he wrote this originally. Uh, it was still good, but it was very tropey. Um, and, and and this is just the, the what he ended up publishing was a much more refined version of what he was trying to get across. Yeah, the final product of the Way of Kings definitely does not need a participation trophy. <laughs> trophy. So, um, this is not even the only book series that Sanderson writes inside of a universe he's created called the Cosmere. Um, mm-hmm. this, this particular series of which this is book one is one of three book series he wrote inside of the Cosmere or is writing. I should say, technically speaking, none of them are done from what I understand. I believe um, that's correct. Um, so he does. He's created a very impressive universe 
um, of which he's writing several series in, which is one. At first thing, I'm going to be honest. I before I started reading, it, I thought it was kind of lazy writing, um, to just have everything you want to do based inside of a universe. But he's created such an incredibly rich universe um, that I, I'm perfectly fine with it. This is really some Tolkien 1.1 kind of stuff. Um, I don't want to say 2.0 because it's definitely not. Like it's definitely not a better version of what Tolkien did, uh, but it's an mm-hmm. impressive, cl- it's an impressive close second as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm 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 a fan. I'm a fan of such a thing. Uh, if I don't know if the Mistborn saw, I was looking in in the first page of the book to see if I could figure it out. If the Mistborn saga takes place within the Cosmere, there are two series within the Mistborn saga, so that would that that would technically make it three series. Two and a half series, I suppose. Two and a half series. Mm. <clears throat> okay. What's well, the? Yeah. Did you um, happen to? You're, you're the researcher. Did you happen to check the word count of this book? Oh, it's. Um, I didn't even think about it till just now, or I would have yeah. looked. Quite a lot. Uh, well, there you go. Here. Quite a lot. Let's jump right into. It. <laughs> yeah, I'll take. I'll, I'll take a peek. It is the way of kings has a word count of. It's gotta be in the um, hundred thousand, doesn't it? It has to hit a couple oh, hundred thousand. Oh, I'd say it's at least four hundred thousand. Let's see. It's not on here for some reason. Okay, let me put it out here then. Let's see. Of kings. Sean is clicking while he's doing the Google, and he's gonna find Wait. out how many words are in his book. Yeah. Okay, so I was really close when I said about four hundred thousand. It is three hundred eighty-three thousand three hundred eighty-nine. That's a heck of a guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, yeah, very long book is what we're getting at. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's weird. I hope I have the extended version. Um, uh, someone here says the word count is 383,181, which means one version has 208 more words in it. 208 more? I hope I have the, I hope I have the editor's cut. (laughs) Joke's on you, it's just a bunch of V's and vowels that he had accidentally written twice. (laughs) Just double printed a few things. Um, uh... Okay, but yeah, so uh, I guess I'm going to explain, um, uh, because you said before there are people who may not know what what book clubbing is. Um, uh, Book clubbing is not like night clubbing. Uh, It's basically this. There's going to be a book, or a section of a book in this case, that we are going to have read by a certain date. And once we make it to that date, um, uh, we are going to... We're going to get an alert. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, uh, once we are finished with that date, um, uh, no, once we are finished with that book by that date, we are then going to, on that date, uh, talk about what we have read and our opinions of it and discuss it and so on. So if you all want to follow along with us, um, uh, I forgot to announce this before, so you may not have the chance of doing it this time, but we will be discussing—this is currently being recorded on the 13th of November, and 
we will be discussing part two of the the way of kings in two weeks so the 27th of november so if you guys can get if you guys wanted to join in and you can have part two um uh read by then you can get in the discord and um uh <clears throat> oh we'll have i may set up a, a channel i may or may not set up a channel in there that um uh is to say that is going to say hey look we um uh uh, we're going to be listening to, or going to have this read by this time. And while you're in this channel, if you get it read early, hop in the channel. And anyone is allowed to put in anything about anything to the point we've read, uh, we will have read by that point. So, like, if today I said next thing we're going to be reading is part two, you can come in today into that channel and say, hey, let me talk about part two. And that's perfectly fine. And if we get some people to do that, to join the Discord server and do that, then we may include some of your discussion in our uh, podcast. Absolutely. That'd be a fantastic uh, engagement as far as I'm concerned. If, if anyone is interested mm -hmm. in doing that, I will make sure, well, I mean, we will both make sure to be active on the channel if, uh, if anyone wants to do that. That would be a lot of fun. Um, it's worth mentioning, Sean, you did speak correctly when you gave the dates of the 13th to 27th, but it's worth mentioning what day do you expect this particular podcast to be live? Do you, do you want to go ahead and make this the most uh, the next thing to be launched? That way we can tell them the date of when we're actually, they're actually going to be hearing this. I can do that. Um, uh, I've already scheduled the... Um, uh, at the time of this recording, I've scheduled the... Uh, the blasphemous recording, which is technically scheduled for the 18th, I can swap those around so that this is published on the 18th. As long as I get it edited by then, this is published on the 18th, and blasphemous uh, is published on the 25th. That should be. If that's a possibility, I think that would be a little more mm -hmm. prudent, just in case we have some people that do want to follow along. Mm -hmm. that works for me. Uh, well, <clears throat> we're stumbling through semantics. Um, we should probably go ahead and get started with this book because, it, I mean, I think we could accidentally talk for several hours uh, about each part of this of this book without any question at all. It would be very easy to do. Um, yes, indeed. I, I think it'd be worth doing a very, very brief um, setup of the Cosmere um, that Brandon Sanderson has created. Uh, it, it's, it's very much um, high fantasy. But it feels because of some of the elements that are the the magical elements, shall we say? Um, it almost feels like there's a sci-fi element to me. I, I mean, it, 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 technically speaking, when I when I say sci-fi, I automatically think of of you know uh, higher technology, the future, space travel. That's kind of what I think of for sci-fi. But something about this one just feels so much more sci-fi. Um, if I were to say, here's Lord of the Rings on my left hand, and here's The Way of Kings on my right hand, I would say The Way of Kings feels more sci-fi than Lord of the Rings, if that makes any sense. I'm really trying to um, give my explanation for a thing that I feel that no one else will feel. So this is kind of stupid to even say. Um, but it definitely has a bit of a feeling to it. Um, you don't really get introduced to much of the magical elements in the first part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much other than um uh, uh other than than Zeth. 
Um, uh, Zeth is mm-hmm. an introduction to um. Uh, oh, I forgot what it's called. I almost said light binding. That may be what it's soul called. casting. Oh no no, no. Yes, yes, no, yes 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 yes. Soul casting. Yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but so light binding is uh, a magical system that was used by Shad Brooks, um, uh, and and I it was based on this. It was loosely based on this magic system, but I can't remember if this was also called light binding in this. But it's um, uh, yeah, it, 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 either way, I'll I'll call it light binding for now. Um, uh, but. Uh, we're introduced to it by Zeth, um, or Seth, or Sezeth, um, uh, when he, in the very first little section there, during his assassination of King Gavilar. Which, by the way, oh my goodness, what a way to start a book. I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. I mean, for, for a book that, technically speaking, has a slow start, just so you can really get the scope of the world... And so Sanderson can really set characters in place. You still have mm-hmm. an absolute banger of a start to a book. I mean, it's 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 a really thrilling read, and you're just like, this is the beginning. Um, and it definitely slows down after that sort of prologue section. Um, but mm-hmm. it, you just jump right into a really magnificent battle scene. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I can think of a better author to write fight scenes. Um, every time he mm-hmm. writes a fight scene, it's 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 detailed in a way that you can really get a good picture of what's happening, exactly how it's happening, and technically what he's doing is very complicated. Um, I really don't want to go into detail about this because I want I want everyone to experience these fight scenes that happen a couple times in the books with the light binding Sean's talking about, but they're very tricky to write about, very tricky, and he just does a beautiful job of making the reader really be able to see it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> One thing I'm looking forward to reading, because obviously I haven't read anything beyond what I've read, um, uh, but I'm looking forward to reading in one of the future books. I can't remember. I don't remember if I was told it was book three or book four, but um, uh, a um, uh, Shad Brooks, who I mentioned earlier, um, uh, who is something of an expert on medieval arms and armor and how they're used, mm-hmm. um, uh, was was hired as a consultant. Uh, a weapons and fighting consultant for one of those books we talked about. And uh, he was trusted so much with it that he actually wrote a fight scene in that book. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> or he didn't write it. Like, obviously, Sanderson did the writing for it, but it was basically like a. Like, Sanderson effectively said, this particular fight right here, like, in addition to just generally consulting, this fight right here, I want these guys to fight with these weapons and do it this way, what exactly kind of moves and stuff would these people do? And he said, well, here's how that fight would play out. And he kind of like descriptively choreographed a fight. And then Sanderson turned that into the writing. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I dig that. I'm now also excited for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> worth mentioning. He's a fantastic, um, He's fantastic at describing and writing out these fight scenes. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's not that it, it seems like a lot of authors, um, and honestly, J.R.R. Tolkien, um, who is peak for us, does mm-hmm. not do these great in-depth descriptive fight scenes. 
mm-hmm. um, they're kind of yep. the individual fighting is is for the most part glossed over or just spoken about vaguely, which is fine. He still writes a fantastic <clears throat> book, obviously, but mm-hmm. Sanderson like spends quite a few words to describe exactly how the fighting is going, and it, I feel like it makes you that much more immersed and and makes your connection to the characters even deeper uh, because you've had to spend so much time vividly imagining a fight that they just had that you're. You know, you're invested in because you already like the character. You're wanting them to make it, and you're saying, "Oh wow, they almost died because that particular thing hit the shard plate." At, you know, it, it it it's a it's a really good tool to make you more immersed into into the characters into the story. Yeah, it's a it's a, a different approach, right? Because I would say that Tolkien uses descriptions of fight scenes when those descriptions would further something so like if it's going to increase suspense to talk about what happened in the fight scene or if it's going to like you know like if, if it's going to be an epic thing that happened um uh or if it makes sense for the character to do the specific thing that they did or like you know, it's, it somehow will be furthering the story or the plot or your immer or, or your your satisfaction from the story uh to describe the fight scene With Sanderson, it's very much a, you, the reader, are here as a, um, uh, you know, a, uh, a, uh, an incorporeal observer. What have you observed? You've observed all this. Yeah, it's, it it makes it incredibly immersive. It it, it makes you feel, um, you know, you're right over the guy's shoulder, whoever you happen to be reading, Mm -hmm. um, about at that time, like the entire time you're doing it. It's very well done. Um. The, 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 um, oh, what am I trying to say here? Um, a lot of authors might try to be more descriptive, excuse me, and, and might try to do things similar to what he's doing. And they just don't feel, they feel a bit clunky. Um, and it's not quite, I mean, even though it was very descriptive, it just wasn't quite right. And, Sanderson's clearly done so much research, even down to like he talks about different battle formations for small gr- for 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 small groups of of individuals, and describes even uh-huh. that so in detail. Like the way he immerses you into battle scenes and fight scenes uh, is, is is just incredible. He does a phenomenal job. Yeah, absolutely. He's clearly done his research. <clears throat> yeah, that is um. Uh... I love how we said all that, just like the the first two scenes, right? The first scene is the assassination um, uh, and uh, of Gavilar, which was why we started talking about this. Then you went on to the tactics, which is the very re- reference to the very next scene where you believe that Sen is going to be the main character and then he just straight up freaking dies. Um, yeah. uh, <clears throat> and that is... Uh, and that is... Um, uh, uh, which which is I love that like I I don't like like you know building up expectations from the I don't like there's a fine line between an author building up expectations for the reader and then failing to deliver on those expectations and establishing certain expectations for the reader and then upsetting those expectations yeah, those are two completely different things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Th- those are two completely different things. Like, if if I read a book and I say, okay, from what I read in the book, at the ending, this should happen, this should happen, this should happen, and this should happen, and those things aren't addressed at the end of the book, that is failing to deliver on my expectations. 
Um, uh, and, but, but then what happens with Sen is Sen is sitting there, he's like, yeah, man, I'm in the army, and man, I'm, I'm scared, but I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do this, and then all of a sudden something happens, and he, you know, has a quick blast of courage, um, uh, and, uh, he, um, uh, yeah, he he has a quick blast of courage, and he he rushes in and attacks, and he gets stabbed in the leg, and Kaladin saves him. And you're like, yeah, man, this this Sin character, he's you know, we're really starting to see like you know, he he broke through his cowardice, and he's able to attack, and then uh, freaking Shardbear just comes and um uh, uh just kills him. Um, uh, and now he's yeah. dead. <clears throat> yeah. So from seeing things in later. Um, uh, from having read things further than than the act one, this is not a spoiler. Um, uh, but it's just more information about that same topic because all we know from the thing is Sen sees the shard bearer and he says, "Wow, I saw an armored man earlier, and I thought he was a shard bearer, but this is what a true shard bearer is. Like this man is majestic." And then that's the end of it. And you can tell though that the guy's running running him in down to kill him. But like you find out later that the dude didn't even like cut him with a shard blade. He just straight ran over him with his horse. Yes. Yeah. He just like you're you're I'm just gonna do this instead. It's uh it, it's really great because you see two two basically back to back segments of the book where you're focusing mm-hmm. on two characters from their perspective and neither of them have our main characters by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is fantastic. And technically speaking, um, what, what's the name of, of Galavar's assassin? Seth. I, I forgot. Seth. So um, mm-hmm. we have, we, we, we keep revisiting that character, but in a mm-hmm. very interesting way. Um, and we won't go into it too much because you technically speaking, we would speak about the interludes at the end of, of part one. You only get to see Seth in the interludes and you get to follow uh, Sanderson does a really fantastic job of bringing the the big wide world of the of where we are closer together to the reader by these little interludes. He does four or five of them after each part, and it kind of pulls mm-hmm. the world together a little bit closer. You get to hear what's happening around a little bit more that would affect, um, you know, uh, that that would affect your opinion of what's happening. And they're still well written, mm-hmm. even though they, technically speaking, he has to do them in a way that um, they obviously can't. You can't just have a messenger run up and go, "This happened," because that doesn't feel immersive. So he spins these interludes at the end of each part <clears throat> from another point of view of an individual who has nothing to do with the main story whatsoever, with the exception of Seth, and then gives you a little bit of insight to the rest of the world, uh, which is brilliant. Um, it, it's an absolutely brilliant way. Of letting giving the reader exposition without slamming it into your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm gonna go over a brief thing. We're I'm gonna do a quick synopsis of part one. Um, uh, because it's you know it's it's nice to have that synopsis for if anyone like they wanted to listen but they didn't want to take the time to read part one. Uh, just give a quick overview. Of it, um, uh, before going in detail. So here's basically how it happens. We have the introduction to part one. I can't remember if it's chapter one or if it's a prologue or what it's called, but what it is. But it's um, uh, it happens. Correct me if I'm wrong. Seven years, um, uh, before five, five to, between five and seven years. I don't remember it's before six or the seven. main events of the book. Yeah, it's, it's something like that. A few, a handful of years before the 
uh, before the the events of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the um, uh, Seth comes in, and he is hired by the Parshendi, who had just uh, who just that night they they were holding a party with the with the Alethi because they had just signed a peace treaty with Alethkar. Uh, the Parshendi had, and while they were celebrating, while while the Parshendi and the Alethi were celebrating this peace treaty, um, uh, the Parshendi had secretly hired a truthless uh, Shin assassin uh, to kill the king of Alethkar for some reason. And so he did that, and he came in wearing white clothing, um, uh, so that way he wouldn't be sneaky, because they didn't want him to be sneaky. And he came through and did some cool magics and killed some people, and then he killed the king. And um, uh, they uh, they killed the king, and then uh, that's effectively the end of the prologue. Uh, starting the begin, then starting at the beginning of the next chapter, we see or introduced sin for all of six pages, um, uh, and he meets some. Uh, some people in the uh, in in Kaladin's um uh, Kaladin's uh, crap I've forgotten the word um group um, uh, group squad Kaladin's squad <clears throat> um uh, yeah and so he's sitting there and they're you know the, they they fight for a little bit and then they start to be routed but they're all good and then they uh, run away and they come across a light eyes. Uh, in armor, which a light eyes is literally a person with light eyes, be it blue or light green or pink, whatever, whatever. Highborn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in, in um, the terms uh, of this book, they're a highborn. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So they're, they're, they are considered to be highborn, but since uh, the eye color is more of just a genetic thing, uh, it is very possible for like a, uh, a dark eyes to a light eyes to be born to dark eyed parents. Um, uh, <clears throat> But and so that's that that that's a weird thing when you're you know especially like you know, if your parents are very low ranking dark eyes and then they give birth to a light eyes and now what happens now your it, parents worth, are second class citizens and you are great. I don't want to interrupt your flow mm-hmm. here, but there's two things that I think yep. need to be established very quickly uh, that we've glossed mm-hmm. over a little too quickly. The Parshendi are effectively the bad guys. Yes. Um, yes, they are. The Alethi are essentially the good guys. And mm-hmm. Alethkar is the kingdom that we are mostly focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we go over a lot more. Most of the book takes place on the Shattered Plains. But it's worth mentioning mm-hmm. that that is the kingdom that we focus on. And all of the main characters are from Alethkar. Mm-hmm. And also yeah. the mm-hmm. Light Eyes Dark Eyes is a very easy cookie cutter cast system that gets mm-hmm. explained by you just picking up on things of the readers as you go along. Not to interrupt your flow there, but just, just to make sure we don't gloss over that too much. Absolutely. Um, uh, and then, so Kaladin sees an enemy, a light-eyed officer, and rushes up to him and kills him. Uh, and that is a fantastic thing to do, is to kill an enemy officer. And then um, uh, he turns and sees the... Um, uh, uh, he turns and sees the... Uh, 
uh, the crap, the shard bearer, which is a person who has a shard bearer is a person who has a full set of shards, which is the magic. So some of the magic items in this world, it is shard plate, which is nearly unbreakable. It is breakable under, you know, like a, a shard blade does a good job of, of, um, uh, eventually smashing through it and regular weapons can eventually bust through it, but it takes an extremely long time, and mm -hmm. it makes you stronger, and it makes you jump higher, and it just, all around, is just a fantastic piece of kit. Um, uh, and then you also have a shard blade, which is a magic weapon that does two things. The first thing is you can summon it into your hand, um, uh, and... You, yeah, you can summon it into your hand, and it takes ten heartbeats to go into your hand um, uh, uh, out of nothing. And then you can, and then once, once you've had it, if you cut through an object, it cuts through anything except for another shard, be it shard plate or shard blade. Um, uh, it immediately cuts straight through it, unless that is living tissue. It cuts through living tissue... Or it passes through living tissue without cutting it, but it immediately severs life from that point. So if you cut through a person's arm, a um, uh, mid-forearm, then their arm uh, below that point would be permanently dead. Um, uh, if you cut through a person anywhere in a vital area, the chest, the neck, the head, th it would immediately burn their eyes out of their sockets and uh, effectively suck their soul from their body. Yeah, it, it's easily the most interesting weapon I've ever seen in a fantasy novel. Um, mm -hmm. And and even if you finish this entire book, you only at the, towards the very end you get a decent idea of of at least some of the origins, but not the full origin. You never really get a full description of where this stuff comes from. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a fantastic weapon um, that you get mm -hmm. to see used a fair bit, and we get a virtually no real description in this first fight where you get to see your first shard bearer. Technically speaking, mm -hmm. we're not counting Seth. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I think is it? I think technically speaking, a shard bearer is someone with a full set, so both blade and plate. And Seth just had a um, uh, just had a uh, blade. Well, technically, you also have Galavar. Um, but mm -hmm. oh or, yeah, 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 again, yeah. I forgot, forgot about Galavar. Yeah, you see our first, you do see our first shard bear was Galavar. I'd, for, but, I'd forgotten yeah, he was wearing. Yeah, they they yeah. tend to, to gloss over that as a description, and you get a you get a real description um, once you start the actual part, um, and then have the shard bear that's coming down on 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 um, Kaladin and the rest of them. Uh, they actually tend mm -hmm. to like. I, I I like the idea that they've done that because essentially what Sanderson did is Seth would have seen tons of these, so he didn't focus on the details nearly as much in his battle, as much as this random soldier who had never seen one really gets like some details out because, technically mm -hmm. speaking, he would have a different reaction than Seth would have. Seth would have been like, "Oh crap, here's another one," whereas uh, this group of um, soldiers would be like, "Holy crap, what in the world is that?" Yeah, effectively, yes, that's, that is correct. Yeah. But then, yes, and then after uh, after we see this shard bearer rushing towards um uh, rushing towards the people, it then flashes away from that, and it goes straight to Kaladin uh, being traded as a slave. Mm -hmm. While he 
while he is there, he meets a, um, uh, he contemplates killing the slave driver, doesn't do it, um, uh, and then he meets a, um, uh, a spren, which is the, a spirit of this world, um, uh, it's spirits that are assigned to various different things, a wind spren by name of Silfrena, which is interesting because most wind spren don't have names. <clears throat> and, um, uh, uh, she also has the nickname of Sil, which is much easier to say, so that is what I'll continue to say from this point. Um, uh, <clears throat> and she, um, uh, uh, she, uh, likes Kaladin, and, um, uh, in a strictly platonic way, fortunately, and, um, uh, <laughs> they, um, uh, because <clears throat> that wouldn't work out very well when she has such little substance, but, um, you know. uh, <clears throat> although I do... Although I do hear there's some fantastic Rule 34 about her. Um, uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd be shocked if there wasn't. <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, and then you, so you follow <coughs> Kaladin in the, the slave, and he is traded to the war camp of Sadius. Um, uh, and he is traded there because Sadius uses a very particular type of bridge to cross, and Tyler mentioned earlier, the, the most book happens in these shattered plains, uh, and b- because these planes are shattered, there are a bunch of gaps. And he, Sadis, uses a very particular type of bridge to cross the gaps. And these, this particular type of bridge is pulled by people. And uh, um, uh, these people are <coughs> called bridgemen. And Kaladin is to be a bridgeman. Um, uh, a very crappy superhero, bridgeman. Um, uh, <laughs> no powers. And yeah, and he immediately is disliked by the by the one-eyed sergeant who's in charge of the bridgeman. So he's put in a position where he's expected to die and he doesn't. Um uh, and let, let let's let's be real here. Uh, it like it's explained later why he didn't die, but really the reason is plot armor. Um uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> but he and that's perfectly fine. Um uh, but he um uh, of of course, the way they slowly hint at how he's surviving is really cool. I don't think yeah, any did. of it happens in the first act, but the, any of the hints happen. But the hints just like they slowly come and come, and then you eventually, oh yeah, the the, the he, he builds that premonition builds uh, in a very deliberate, slowly chugging along way. Um, it's almost like he's allowing you to it, some books have to overshadow so aggressively to get to a point sanderson allows a creeping premonition um to kind of enter everything it, it gives you the ability to have seen something earlier but even if you didn't you know like different readers will catch on at different points um but it doesn't matter when you catch on just know that he's the master of of introducing plot points there are there are a handful of plot twists all of them are beautifully done but most of them, he he's like, you know what? If this was really happening like this, people would catch on at different points. So I'm going to leave vague hints, slightly less vague hints, pretty strong hints. Here it freaking is. Which just sounds like every story ever written, I realize. But like, if you read it, you'll realize what I'm saying. The way in which he lays out these hints for Kaladin and then for, uh, for other characters and other things in the book are absolutely masterful. Yeah, which I don't want to, I, I don't want to to say, um, uh, too much, uh, about that because it's um, uh, uh, because we are, uh, if if we go in any it too much at all, with the the hints that happened, um, uh, 
uh, then we're going well beyond the the first the, the first act. Oh yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, and, and we um. Uh, uh, so yeah, and so then we make it to um. Uh, uh, so and then yeah, Kaladin is sold into that, and he's put in a position where he's supposed to die, and he doesn't die. Then we are introduced to our other main character. Um. Uh, and she um. Uh, uh, who is Shalon? Is a, a a little girl, and um. Uh, she is with a sailor, and she's on her way to petition. Well, she doesn't know she's petitioning, but she's on her way to petition to become the understudy, in this case called a ward, of the 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 assassinated king's daughter and older sister of the current king, uh, Yasna. And um, uh, I hope that they uh, talked with Brandon Sanderson and confirmed that that is Yasna. Um, uh, because I would have, I I would have read it as Jasna uh, if I didn't know if I wasn't expecting it to have like a Germanic pronunciation, but I I assume Yasna is the correct pronunciation. That's what I'm going to call her. Um, uh, that's what I've been under the impression of as well. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Uh, so we'll 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 call her Yasna. Um. Uh, Yasna Colin, and they as she eventually Shalon eventually makes it to where Yasna is and she's conversing with King Taravangian who is a very sweet old man and um uh, sure he is yeah fantastic man um uh, and she's talking about how he might save how she might be able to save using her fabriol the uh, the king's granddaughter who is trapped by a cave in and she says absolutely i can save your granddaughter who's trapped by a cave in and so she saves the king's granddaughter, who's trapped by a cave-in, and um, uh, <laughs> then Shalon says, "Hey, Yasta, you saved the king's granddaughter, who was trapped by a cave-in. Um, uh, <laughs> might I be your ward?" And Yasta says, well, "Of course not." And um, uh, so Shalon's all upset, and uh, then she goes and she says, "You know what? I think I should be the the ward." And then we're introduced to um. Uh, uh, was it Capsa? Is that his name? The ardent brother Capsa? Capsule. 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 Brother Capsule. Um, uh, <laughs> uh br- brother Capsule. Um, uh, and he, uh, flirts with Shalon for a little bit, which I don't think that's a good thing for a Levite to do. Um, uh. Oh, it's very improper. <clears throat> and, um, uh, uh, he should be, he should really be fired. Um, uh, <clears throat> and... <clears throat> Uh, and so he um uh, uh, he does on there and that she uh, he agrees to bring her some jam, um, um and then they part ways uh, permanently of course I'm sure um uh, <clears throat> and then Yasna comes in and Shalon says hey I know you said no and um uh, <clears throat> she says yes you're right I said no um uh, and she said but hear me out please. And she says, and Yasa says, <sighs> maybe. Um, uh, she's okay. Um, and so she goes to get some books, uh, to learn more so she can become the understudy. Um, uh, because she doesn't know enough to be able to learn, apparently. Um, uh, no. I never understood that one. Um, uh, that so she weird. says, you're, st- yeah, you're too stupid to learn. So go stop being stupid so I can teach you how to learn. Um, uh, she's okay. <laughs> I'll try. And, um, uh, 
then we we uh, I'll just finish up Shalon's section and go back to Kaladin all the way because not sure. a whole lot more happens with Kaladin as far as like like uh, events. Right. Um, uh, uh, so then we we go to um uh, uh, then she goes back to Yasna. And she says, um, uh, hey, I've acquired more books. I've not had the chance to read them yet, but I have them. And Yasta <laughs> says, hmm, that is good enough. You know, I'm, I'm very willing to take you as, as my ward. She said, I thought you were just after my money. But uh, she said, she said I, I'm glad to see that you would, um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that you just want to learn. I thought you were after my money. And Yast and Shalon said, "Oh, so you don't think I'm after your money?" And she said, "Of course I think that. Come on, child." <laughs> um, uh, this is a great <clears throat> synopsis of that conversation, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, and then so they they go back. Um, and that that's effectively the end of Shalon's story. Oh, I did leave out an important part of Shalon's story. Uh, she do, she does like learning, and she is a good scholar. But that's not actually why she's becoming um, uh, Yasna Kolin's understudy. She's doing that because she wants to steal her fabriole, uh, because so they can use it to continue doing what their father did, which was creating marble deposits. Um, uh, for their um, uh, under their kingdom, and why is this um, so uh, important right now, Sean? Oh, because the father is dead. He's dead. He is very dead, and they're pretending that he's not. It's worth also, mentioning th- that he had a soul caster. The soul caster is now broken. Mm-hmm. The soul caster is uh-huh. a fabriole, and yeah. they found that he had one. It is broken. Mm-hmm. They need to go get a fresh one. Ergo, stealing hers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now this is this this is just me, me me personally. What I would have done is I would have said, Yesna, I would like to be your understudy. Oh, that's a fantastic idea, child. Let's be the understudy. Okay. Oh, by the way, while I'm here, I have this broken fabriole. Do you know how to fix it? Yeah. There's there's there was one of the f- the plot holes that absolutely hit, like it hit me so hard. There's very few plot holes in this book, but that was mm-hmm. one that I was like, there. So much would have been, I mean, obviously we wouldn't have come to the point in the plot where she is in the plot if we would have done things like this, but she would have been like, hey, uh-huh. here's this exceptionally rare, extremely sought after item. I have one. It doesn't work. Surely you would be literally overjoyed to fix it and show me how to use it and teach me how to use it. Therefore, you would be the... Teacher of another one of these soul casters, which are highly sought after, of the, like one of the most sought after individuals in the entire world, next to you know shard plate bearers. Yeah. Now and and I, I let's I, open I, I with that line. This. Good lord. Yeah, I will say this though. I am um, uh, talked about that part of it to my wife, and do you know what she said? I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah. Well, I I talked about like you know, and then she decided to steal it and go do this and pretend to do that way and do this and do this. And my wife goes, my wife, who, as I'm sure you could guess by the word wife, is a female, a woman. Yes. She she goes, that is just like a girl. Just like a woman. (laughs) So maybe it's not too inaccurate that that happened. (laughs) 
Which is fair, which, by the way, leads me all the way mm-hmm. back to the greatest scene of Family Guy history, where they're essentially mm-hmm. remaking one of the Star Wars episodes, and Leia is sitting in a room with uh, the general, who is a woman, mm-hmm. and then Peter, who is played by, who is essentially playing um, Han Solo, looks at her and goes, uh-huh. wow, she must be the only other woman in the galaxy, to which Leia replies, I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, and we go into um. Uh, uh, finishing up Kaladin's story. There's not too much about Kaladin's story. Kaladin's with the bridge crew for a little bit, and he's like, "Man, this sucks. I think I'm going to kill myself." And so he goes to kill himself, and Sill, having no idea that he's planning on killing himself. Um, uh, just thinks he just real just sees that he's sad, and she remembered before how much he liked those leaves that he was going to use to try to kill poisonous leaves. He was going to use to try to kill the the slave trader, but then didn't. And so she was like, she didn't know they were poisonous either. She but she thought he likes the he must like these leaves. <laughs> and so she went and acquired some leaves for him, and brought them to him and said, "Here, I brought you these leaves that you love." And he goes. Huh. You know, I think I'll not kill myself. <clears throat> and um uh so he doesn't and he goes back and beats the crap out of his sergeant and says, "I'm in charge now." And the sergeant instead of reporting it to a higher up says, "Okay." <laughs> um uh, and now Which might be and, the most and now Calvin passage in the book. <laughs> yeah. But it but it was so much fun though. I loved it, it. It was a great scene. It was beautiful. It was like, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a pivotal moment for you to be like, wow, Calden's an absolute bamp. I love this character. But if you really sit uh-huh. back and analyze it the way that you just did, uh-huh. he essentially goes, I'm going to throw myself over the chasm. She goes, here's some leaves. And he goes, you know what? I won't throw myself over the chasm. I've got leaves. I now have full drive and determination. The first thing I'm going to do is beat up my superior, who has beaten me but moments before. <laughs> Surely this will end well. Hold on. Hold on. Let me beat up this boss. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Uh, it really, yeah, it's, it's um, hard uh, to believe, but yes. And then there are, oh, I believe, only two interludes. With this. Oh, and we have a flashback, um, uh, too, talking about how Kaladin's dad wanted him to be a surgeon. Um, uh, uh, and let, let's 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 talk about Liren, Kaladin's father. Yeah. Um, the most annoying man on the planet. Easily. Let's be real. Like, let's be real. He's 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 horrible. I understand <coughs> him wanting his son to be a surgeon instead of a soldier, right? Because I say, hey, I'd prefer you not to go out and die as a soldier. How about you stay and be a surgeon, make a fantastic living as a surgeon, and not die? I I, I get that argument. I understand that. But then, like, talk about how he's opposed to be a surgeon, and then we have this line from the father, and that is, um, uh, it's, it's, it's right, no, I just dropped my book on the floor, it's right here, and it is the worst, oh man, it's, it's the, the absolute worst, worst line, right here. <clears throat> um, uh, so this, so the, the build up to the line isn't too bad, but then the line itself makes me want to, oh man, like, I'm, uh, I, Liren isn't dead. But it makes me wish he was. <laughs> there are two kinds of people in this world, son. 
his father said sternly. Those who save lives and those who take lives. That's not too bad. Then Kaladin asked the question, And what of those who protect and defend? Those who save lives by taking lives. And here's why I hate his father. His father snorted. That's like trying to stop a storm by blowing harder. Ridiculous. You can't protect by killing. <laughs> Which, for I hate the him. record, for the record, mm-hmm. we do have mm-hmm. Calden have a revelation about that line and how it's wrong later on you go. So we're going to mm-hmm. like give some credence for Sanderson here. We're going to say, okay, well, yeah. at least he wasn't defending that point. He's clearly not like a, you know, some kind of an activist trying to make a point here. It, it's just mm-hmm. a flaw in the character. But yes, absolutely. It's it's really it's like the argument of of people saying why doesn't Batman kill him? Batman's like because if I kill a murderer, then I become a murderer, and then there's the same amount of murders. No, if you kill eighty murderers, and there's clearly fewer murders in the world. Mm-hmm. It's the same. That's it's like, the same <clears throat> stupid line. Mm-hmm. Also, if I all right, so if if each murderer was going to kill one innocent person and I don't kill the murderers, and they each kill one innocent person, then technically 80 people have died. But if each of these murderers was going to kill two innocent people, and I kill those 80 murderers, then I've technically saved 80 people. There there are 80 more lives than what there would have been had I not killed those yeah. murderers. And to think about the ratio <laughs> of murders to non-murderers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if, 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 we, if we take a few people and go through and, like, kill every murderer... Um, uh, then there will be relatively few murderers. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> um, finish up Calvin's story, and then we have one more main character to visit. Uh, that is the, uh, the so that that's that that's the extent of his story. Uh, it, it ends with him introducing himself to Teft. Um, uh, and Teft is your favorite character. Teft is not my favorite character. Teft is a fantastic character, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, um, uh, you you said it shows you that uh, Sanderson is not a pacifist or anything like that. Um, uh, I do know that um, uh, his religion does not influence the books too much. I know this because I know Brandon Sanderson to be a Mormon, a subscriber to the ideology of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, mm-hmm. and all of the men in this book have only one wife. Yeah, zero chance. Zero chance it's affecting. <laughs> Although he does talk about golden shard plate at some point, I'm like, that's definitely the yeah. He's trying to put something mm-hmm. up there, but whatever. Yeah. Um. So we have one more main character to visit, and I I never I I don't read books and find the main characters to be my favorite characters ever. But man, he makes me really want for for me to make uh, a main character my favorite character. Okay, so your favorite main character uh, isn't, he doesn't really make a real appearance. He's talked about, but he's not really there in part one. Who are you talking I assume about? You're talking about? I assume you're talking about Dalinar Colin. He's definitely in first part. Mm, I, he doesn't really do anything in it. Um, uh, let me, because let me, the, the, it, it, it focuses on, um, uh, let me go through, yeah, like he, he doesn't actually have a, like a, uh, and he, like, he doesn't, I think he's mentioned a few times. But yeah, we'll go through here. Yeah, his name pops up a few times in the first act, but he does, he is not in it, in the first act. Okay. I have, 
a hard well, time oh, no, no. remembering that. I, I I take that back. He is physically in the first part because well, he's in no, the obviously. introduction. He's passed out drunk on the couch when his brother is killed. Yes. He's passed. Not technically <laughs> what I'm referring to, but yes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I thought that yeah. first, without being too descriptive, I thought that first plateau assault was in the first part. Okay, so here here's a great way to see. Um. Uh. uh here's here's a, a fantastic way to see. Oh man, it's not in this version. Oh no, that's the that's the, the prologue. So if I can get the actual part of the the the, the, the thing in the part here. Um. Uh, here we go. Yeah, in each part it tells you, uh, the the characters the the big characters that make an appearance. At the beginning of each part, we have this part one above silence, Kaladin and Shalon. But then when I go to, um, uh, uh then, when, then when I make it to part two, which is right here, the end of part which is one, further. Yeah, see, interludes, Ishik, Nonbalot, Seth. It gives those names there. Then let me go to the, um, uh, uh, then, then when we go to part two here, skip up to part two. Here we go. Part two: the illuminating storms, Dalinar, Cal- Kaladin, Adolin. See, Dalinar and Adolin make their main appearance in part two. I definitely thought that plateau assault was part of the first part, but that is fine. Mm-hmm. We will talk about that next time. Then, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so so Kaladin becomes a character that you can't not. Um, he's a perfect main character to me. Because he has flaws mm-hmm. that never really get resolved in this book. Um, character flaws is in like him as an individual. These are some of his problems, and they don't go away. Um, mm-hmm. His his <clears throat> hatred for light eyes um, for the upper for the upperclassmen, which becomes his reasonings become more and more clear throughout the books and throughout the flashbacks that he gets. Um, mm-hmm. And you you see him have crippling self-doubt um throughout the entire thing which is a very very common thing for a main character to have obviously but um it's so much deeper and deeper of a reason than you would normally have in a in a main character for that particular um negative trait um but i i really really like his i really really like the way sanderson never really makes these people become perfect characters um mm-hmm. that's i think it's a really important point and you really get to you get introduced to a lot of kaladins and let's oh my goodness you just said her name out loud and i just forgot Shalon. it because i'm used to yeah is she not the most annoying character ever so she is okay so here's the thing i thought for sure she was the most annoying character ever and i think it is the way that Kate Redding um, uh, voices her. I think it's the voice that she chooses to give her. Reading the book, she's not nearly as annoying. Like, she actually almost, her her witticisms, instead of seeming like the stupid things that a child might say, they almost seem witty if you're reading them. See, that's what I was about to say out loud. So listen, I get that it's the voice. I get that that if you're listening to the audiobook, the voice Mm -hmm. is, eh, she makes her sound like a kid, which she's young, that's fine. But... Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't make the thing she say wittier. So when I think of people being witty, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I you think of someone who's very fast thinking and has a really good, mm-hmm. well thought out reply that took seconds to come back with. That's wit. So that's that's great. And technically speaking, she does that in that she has these quick comebacks throughout the book, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what marks mm-hmm. her as a character in the beginning. They're mm-hmm. so lame. I don't know. I kind of like them. Like um, uh, I like uh, give an example them. when when Capsule um uh, said, "And how would you react if the Almighty Himself were here?" And she said, "I suppose with screams of pain, because it's written that anyone who looks at the Almighty's face will be immediately burned to ash." See, that's funny. That was funny. But the her entire introduction, which happens before the interaction you're referring to, of her on the ship, she gives approximately. Uh-huh like a dozen quips and all of them make me want to just scratch my face off. I'd say, yeah, a lot of them, a lot of the ones on the ship were pretty rough. Yeah. I'll give that. We'll just, so her, we'll just her chalk- introduction as being a witty person is like, Nope, Nope. That was stupid. Uh-huh. Okay. So we, it is mentioned though that the sailors kind of embarrass her a little bit and we'll just chalk it up to Sanderson's writing being so good that she's so embarrassed by the sailors that she's not as good at coming up with quips around them. I'll, I'll I'll give you that point, but it is she still annoys the heck out of mm-hmm. me. Yeah, uh, I I will say it's significantly better reading it yourself, though. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that, that's my problem with the audiobooks, right? Because um, uh, switching readers um uh, really messes up my immersion, and then also when I'm reading and I can get super immersed. Uh, switching characters isn't that isn't quite that bad, and so I'm super immersed that I don't care to switch characters. It's fantastic, but so now it's broken the immersion, and we switch characters. And in every case, when Kate Redding is reading a part of a story, it's it was this way with um uh, with Stormlight Archives. It was this way with um uh, um. Wheel of Time. Crap! I can't. The Wheel of Time, yeah, but I was uh, that that too. I, I was trying to think of something different. The uh, the uh, Shad Brooks, his book, uh, I can't think of it. Um, uh, oh, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, it, it yeah, it, it doesn't matter. But yeah, Shad Brooks's book, uh, the uh, uh, Stormlight Archive, the Wheel of Time, all those the sections that just by dumb luck, it's no fault of Kate Redding's, the sections that she reads are less significantly less interesting. Than the, the than than the the bit that her husband reads, and so for that reason, I am um, uh, so so combine those two things together. It breaks my immersion, and then we're switching to a part that's less interesting. I've grown to hate Kate Redding's voice personally. I okay, so um, you and I have different opinions on this. Mm-hmm. The the best way to be to be immersed is to read it. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. the most immersive way. Um, since yeah. I didn't really have the option to get the the book finished in time to do anything other than the audiobook because of the work and travel to work and all that sort of thing, the the mm-hmm. most amount of time I get to to enjoy a book is through an audiobook. Mm-hmm. I, if you're going to go through an audiobook, I love that they've split it up to where she's reading the girls' voices or the girls' chapters, I shall say. And he's mm-hmm. reading the men's chapters. And here's the reason why. Mm-hmm. I've experienced this in audiobooks before or a passage to go something like this. We'll just, we'll, we'll pretend to make up a, a section from this book to say it. He was like, 
Shalon walked around a corner. Oh my goodness, this corner is so scary. Like, that makes me want to punch someone in the mouth when you have, like, a dude oh. trying to make a slightly different voice for a girl. I mean, it, 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 that would have been way worse than if it would have been Kate Redding reading it. Uh huh. Well, the, the, the thing is, though, and you see this in, in the, uh, you see this in the Wheel of Time, and I'm sure it'll pop up later in some of these books. I I don't know that it has. I can't remember if it has in the uh, part of the audiobooks that I've listened to, and I don't know if it does beyond that. But it happens in the Wheel of Time a lot. The story is focused on the guys, but then the girls will be there, and so the guy voices the girls. And then later, the story is focused on the girls, but the guys happen to be there. And so now so now you have, uh, at one point, um, uh, why have I forgotten his name? Um, uh, uh, Kate Redding's husband. You have Kate Redding's husband. Give, yeah, you get you have him giving a voice for um, uh, yeah, you 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 um, uh, you have him giving a voice for a guy and for a girl, and then later Kate Redding giving a different voice for the same guy and the same girl, and. I, yeah, so I, that's actually what I was about. To, I was about to say that as soon as you were done saying what you were exactly saying uh-huh. the that doesn't happen in the way of kings until towards the end because you have mm-hmm. um oh what's yesna's mother's name yesna's mother up oh, <clears throat> i've forgotten her name whatever um, you uh, have her yeah. being voiced by kate redding's husband through the majority of the mm-hmm. book and then she gets a few mm-hmm. lines as her and that kills me and then you have mm-hmm. the king the one that yes and, and shalon are always interacting with you have the um, Kate Redding voicing him throughout the vast majority of the book. And then there's an exceptionally pivotal, inter- pivotal interlude um, with the King towards the end of the book where Kate Redding's husband is now voicing him. And that does ruin the immersion. I'll give you that point because when you have two different people giving the two different voices for the same character, that does, that genuinely confuses me. Mm-hmm. Now I, I'll, I'll say what is um uh, the the thing that one of the things that makes it the worst. I've only noticed this really, um uh, in uh, once or twice in the Wheel of Time, and then I noticed it quite a bit in the Shadow of the Conqueror. I just got the name Shadow of the Conqueror. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I noticed it a few times in there and once or twice in um in the Wheel of Time, and that is. Kate Redding will be reading her portion and she will pronounce a name or a place or an item or something. And then her husband will do his part and that same name or place or whatever will pop up and they pronounce it differently. Yeah, that would kill me. (coughs) (laughs) How have we managed to get off track on a book? Uh... Well, we're just barely off track. Um, uh, we're just barely we're, off track. Yeah, because c- we're comparing our experience with <laughs> this book with uh, our experiences with other... We're using other books to demonstrate our experience with this book. That's so fair. it's not that bad. <clears throat> I think I think we did about perfect on time, though. We exactly squeezed this into one episode. Yeah, yeah. We were... We were we talked about this beforehand, and we were both genuinely worried that we we're going to break this up more. But I think the, it's worth mentioning the first part. You can gloss over a lot more things... Hmm. Um, cause the, cause again, like I mentioned earlier, the, this book starts very slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's when you realize as you get further into the book about halfway through, you realize the reason for the slowness of the start is because he's really grounding in your mind all of the things that are going to make this universe you're in, uh, work. And it makes all mm-hmm. of the moments with the characters and, and all of the things that happened 
that much more powerful. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, it's worth the slow start. But it does make doing the episode where we're essentially introducing some main characters, introducing a few plot points, and introducing the Cosmere um, be able to fit into a short amount of time. <clears throat> because mm-hmm. the next time we talk about this, we're not going to be introducing the Cosmere and we are definitely going to be spending the same amount of time talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, which is fantastic. Hey, um, uh, okay. So I think that's all we need to talk about on there. Uh, what we're going to ta- be talking about next week is, um, uh, either the Chronicle of Innsmouth or the Chronicle of Innsmouth and the Chronicle of Innsmouth mountains of madness um uh we uh we're we're going to we're we're going to see how how much time it takes to talk about the one versus talking about both of them um or if they're close up to the same game talk about both of them as one um uh that's what we're going to be recording next week if i do swap around (coughs) the release dates of these podcasts so that this comes up before blasphemous then it'll be You'll hear this podcast, and then the next week you'll hear the Blasphemous podcast, and then the following week you'll hear Chronicle of Innsmouth. Um, but yeah, so if you guys and and since I, I'm going to try to announce this at the end of each book club type episode, um, uh, try to have so I, I guess I'll give you the dates. Um, uh, I'll just do that. I'll just give you guys the dates right now for how we have the parts set up. Uh, I only have dates set up through the end of the year on the calendar, so we'll have to see what that looks like. But uh, by the twenty seventh, have um, uh, yeah. So uh, I guess I'll announce everything book clubby. If you guys want to take the time to read everything book clubby, if you just want to do uh, the Way of Kings, then here you go. Have part two read by the twenty seventh. Um, uh, have part three read by December eighteenth. Um. Uh, and that is that's that's how that is. We only have the three parts on there. I think there's four. There's I think there might be more than three parts in here because the parts are the first part is only two hundred pages, and this book yeah. is a grand. So um, uh, there there might be more. I have I forget how many parts there are. Actually, you just recently finished the whole book in audiobook form. How many parts are there? I believe there's five. Five parts. Okay, so we have mm-hmm. part we have through part three scheduled as of December eighteenth. Uh, if you wish to keep track of all our book clubby type stuff then you'll want to have remnant uh, remnant that's a video game you want to have the whisperer uh. in darkness by hp lovecraft read by december 4th and you want to have book one of fable haven read by january 1st oh i forgot we were doing that mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. i really yep. forgot about that i love that series <clears throat> hey, Sorry, about how tangent. how long about how long is that? Because we were able to squeeze two hundred pages into an hour episode. Oh um, man, uh, the will first that take book two of Fable to do? The f- no, the first book of Fablehaven. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same kind of thing. It's one of those. Uh, it, it it's a it's a book that takes place in our world, so virtually no mm-hmm. um, background needs to be given. Um, uh-huh. I believe the book might only be. 300 high 300s low 400s and i mean you can gloss over a lot of it like the the first 100 pages you could probably condense into a three minutes of talking introductory stuff of mm-hmm. course mm-hmm. okay then yeah then that that shouldn't be too bad well either way we'll do it all in a day but it may technically be more than one <coughs> episode and i think it would Depends be prudent of us to uh, split up or not 
It would be prudent of us to set up our the uh, a different channel under our server in Discord to be about the book club. And uh, we, we, we actually, I mean, this is going to be pretty far out, but I mean, we're always open to suggestions for other things that you guys would like covered. We're always open to, if you want something in particular talked about, not just about books, it can be about authors, it can be about video games, it could be about whatever. I mean, if you guys want to go into the, the Discord server, that's the best way to, to do the interaction work. I mean, even if you want to tell mm -hmm. us to try a different whiskey while we're talking about this, drop it in there. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so I have, uh, on the Discord server, I have a, <coughs> a group called Interactions and Such, and the text channels underneath that, we have questions and comments. Um, uh, that would be, as Tyler just said, if you want to suggest a whiskey, you can drop it in there. Typically speaking, questions and comments would be... Uh, we said something and you want it clarified, you didn't know what we meant by what we said, or a comment could be, hey, we really liked what you said, or a comment could be, hey, uh, screw you, losers. Um, uh, you know, we love anything both like equally. that. They're, they're all fantastic. Uh, another in topic, in interactions is topic ideas. If there's something you'd like us to cover, we schedule way in advance, but we can always change our schedule. And so it doesn't hurt our feelings a bit. If you guys want to pop in there, go to a topic and say, hey, look, uh, here is an article I'd like you guys to make fun of. Have you considered reading this book? Um, uh, have you, you know, whatever. Um, uh, here's a video game that you guys, I think you guys will enjoy this video game. You know, in any such thing that you think that would be good for us to talk about, pop that in topic ideas. Uh, we also have poop pictures, uh, which is supposed to be pictures of your poop. Um, uh, and then yes, we absolutely. have book club discussion. Where you go to discuss what we are going to be talking about in book club, um, uh, the book club that, that we're doing. So effectively, let me think. Um, uh, I don't know when when to say. As of right now, I have a, a message that says below this point is discussion up to part two of the Way of Kings. So you guys can talk about anything because the next thing we're talking about is part two of the Way of Kings. You can talk about anything up to that point. Um, uh, if you want to, I'm put Whisperer in Darkness is the, the thing we're doing next after part two. Uh, and you guys can talk about that if you want to, even if you're talking about it early. Because I don't think anyone's going to have, like, if you've not read Whisperer in Darkness yet, it's not too bad to get it spoiled for you. I'd prefer, if you haven't read it, I'd prefer if you read it for the show. But, I mean, you should have read it by now. Why haven't you read it? You should so, have read it by as, now. And if, if not, by the way, very quickly, mm -hmm. um, there are several... Um, free to listen to audio uh, renditions of the Whispering Darkness on YouTube. Um, it doesn't really matter which one you get because everyone gives you every single uh, um, reader. Mm -hmm. That sounds wrong. Every single reader yeah. it, it does it in a way that still gives you that sense of cosmic dread that makes us love Lovecraft so much. So go go listen to it if you don't want to go buy a copy of the book. Okay. So Tyler just said that uh, each reader gives you a um uh, uh, is is worth uh, wh whatever he's absolutely wrong. There are only two readers that you should be listening to. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, you can listen to uh, Sean Branny, Branny or Branning. I think it's Branny. Branny. Sean it's Branny. Branny. Sean Branny. Yeah, you can listen to Sean Branny reading it, or. Uh, I'm trying to think if his reading of Lovecraft books has the Whisperer in Darkness. If there, if a version of the Whisperer, uh, like if if the the Lovecraft books as read by Wayne June contains Whisperer in Darkness, Wayne June is always the way to go. Absolutely, Wayne June is the best reader on earth. 
He is dreadful in the best way possible. <clears throat> but yeah, now if you can't find Sean Branny or Wayne June, you could settle for, I'm sure there's a version of Andrew Lehman reading it, but uh, he's fine, I guess. Andrew Lehman's not... fantastic. You need to shut your mouth. Um, there is a version, <laughs> there's an entire horror uh, uh, audiobook channel on YouTube. An entire whore? An entire whore on YouTube. Isn't that shocking? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, most of those are on Twitch now. Yeah, it's everywhere. Thanks, Amaranth. Anyways, um, we there's a really good horror um, audiobook channel on YouTube that I can't think of the reader's name at this point. That he all of his are fantastic. Um, and I, I actually am going to try to. I'm going to go post a link in the Discord as soon as uh, we as soon as I finish recording this. I'll go post a link in the Discord. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, go in there. So, uh, basically. It, it, like anything that we do, and we we even pop up. We I may even set up a uh, like a schedule, like make it so that everyone can read the schedule but can't comment on it. Like let people react to it and not read it. And I may make a new channel uh, and um uh, put put the schedule in there. You can um, even put that uh, in general. Then, I could put that in general, but no, I think I I I would put a make a new channel just for the schedule. Um, uh, within things. So yeah. So basically, anything that is information about, like information about stuff that may be going on with us, uh, Twitter and Instagram. But in information about the podcast itself, you really want to join the Discord. Um, uh, I will link it in the description of the YouTube video and in the show notes of this video. Uh, it is not linked in the blasphemous videos because in the blasphemous episode. Uh, whenever that comes out, if it comes out before this or after this, because I edited it, I went to upload it, and I could not be bothered to fill out the description properly. Oh, well, you know. Uh, you just mentioned Twitter and Instagram. I went to make a brief comment here. I actually, wow, I never even looked at our Instagram or our Twitter. Uh, I don't even know. Um, I haven't done anything to that at all. So the Instagram is ran much more just like your standard social media thing. I mean, you're welcome to go interact with it. We appreciate you interacting with it. But if you actually want to interact with us and actually have conversations, go to the Discord. That's where Absolutely. that would actually happen. That's the place to be. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. No, the the Twitter is uh, it started off with me putting up updates uh, and it somehow very quickly devolved into me under the Super Whiskey Bros name retweeting a bunch of uh, stuff in the style of Let's Go Brandon. (laughs) None of that shocks me. (laughs) But anyways, we should probably stop talking. Absolutely. Would you like to say anything to the people before you leave, Tyler? Everyone, I don't know if you've ever tried this, but if you haven't, right now, Stop everything you're doing. Take a pad of butter. Put some corn syrup on it. Mix it together. Put that on some bread. It's delicious. All right, good night, everybody. (laughs) Who lets us do this?